Welcome to A Vibe Called Wellness, where therapy, wellness, and vibes collide. We are your hosts, Siobhan and Ricky. We will talk about all things that impact our everyday living. While we are therapists, this is not your average therapy session. It's going to be raw, real, and relatable. So sit back, relax, grab your tea, coffee, or wine, and come catch these vibes. Welcome back to another episode of A Vibe Called Wellness. We are so excited to be back with you all, vibe with you all, um, with another amazing topic. But before we get into it, Ricky, how are you? I am doing good. I am feeling rested and rejuvenated, and I have no complaints today at all. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good trying to, you know, gather my thoughts, make sure I, you know, prioritize the things that I need to. But I'm good. I cannot complain. Um, same thing, just trying to get through the week. Absolutely. Trying to get through the week. So I, this topic is exciting because, you know, we're both moms and the topic for today is ain't no hood like motherhood, the ups and downs of mom life. And there's a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> oh, yeah. There are so many ups and downs in motherhood. Um, you know, it comes with its own challenges at every every stage, every age, you know, all of those things. But, you know, it's one of those things to where you just learn as you go. I don't, I think that it's in motherhood, we, I've just learned that we don't have the answers and we learn it as we go. So I'm excited to jump into this topic um, and get started. Me as well. You know, you mentioned, it's just like, that that's one of the things I tell people I'm like you know I just I had to just jump in there and just <laughs> instincts had to kick in and I had to really like you know that's I tapped into my instincts so yeah. absolutely a beautiful journey uh you know ups and downs for sure different challenges for sure but we're here we, we are here <laughs> okay this hood is something special because I think in during this episode we want to really hold space and normalize the ups and downs of motherhood you know, everyone's journey is different. Nobody's path is the same. People don't get into motherhood the same. Everybody has a different journey and a different story. And it's, it's everyone's journey is beautiful, you know, as we as we look into it. So I want to kind of jump into how we both got in, you know, how our journey into motherhood and what that looked like. Um, you want to start? I can go first. I will say, like you said, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of feelings associated with becoming a mother. I got pregnant when I was 28. Like after grad school, you know, wanted to do like, you know, we always want to do like the, oh, I want to get married first, want to have the hood, want to do all of that stuff, mm -hmm. right? Did not happen that way at all. Um, I was actually planning a wedding and then found out I was pregnant. So I put the wedding on pause. Um, but it was, you know, just really embracing and normalizing for me. I was not excited mm -hmm. about being pregnant at all because it just didn't align with my plan, right? Yeah. And so I had a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety around like, wow, I didn't plan to become a mom right now, but it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I need to adjust, right? My mind, my plans, everything. I need to put everything on pause so that I can prioritize that I'm, I'm about to be responsible for an entire human being. Okay. <laughs> So lots of fear, lots of nervousness, you know, um, go into like, wow, well, I'm about to have this baby. And then like, 
what do I do with support or what does that support look like? Right. right? Like for me, I'm in Georgia and my family's in North Carolina. So it's like, what does that support look like? You know, luckily my husband's been super supportive and his family is super supportive, but you just don't know. So those fears are very normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I struggled a lot with freedom. Like, oh, like my freedom is going to be gone, right? And as we talk about this later, like, you know, that's actually one of my struggles I still struggle with today. Like, okay, I got one, I can manage him. Like, do I want to have another one? So it's just like, (laughs) my freedom is so important to me. Like, I want to be able to still go and do and have a life outside of my family. So that's been my journey. I'm I'm still journeying. What about you? Girl, it's been a ride. (laughs) You know, it's it's been a ride because so I um had I got pregnant at 20, had my daughter at 21. And so I always feel like I have spent all of my adult life raising someone else. And that is a lot. Um, but during this time when I had my daughter, um, you know, her her dad and I, you know, we had our relationship was kind of up and down, and it was it was a lot. I think at that age, I wasn't necessarily mentally prepared to jump into it. You know, I didn't, I don't know if you ever know enough, but I don't feel like I was <laughs> mentally or emotionally mature enough to handle all that came with motherhood. And so when I had my daughter, I was depressed. I was really depressed, not depressed because I had her, because I actually was dealing with depression. And when I had her, it was like, oh my gosh. I know people always say, you know, don't say that it's not good to say your child like saved your life. But honestly, she literally like saved my life. (laughs) She really did because I was so depressed. Like, I just felt like things were not going well in my relationship. And at that age, girl, my relationship was like everything. And so the fact that it wasn't going well, I was like, what's happening? Um, And I remember I would get up I would get up in the, you know, during the day and I would go to work and I would go to school and everyone thought like, you know, she has this baby, everything is going good because I'm smiling and I'm having a good time. And then I would come home at night and I would cry myself to sleep. I remember just holding her and just crying and just being so depressed, but I knew that I had to push through it for her. And I definitely don't encourage anyone to like try to push through depression on their own. Definitely get the help that you need. But I was so young that I don't think I even had the language to describe really. Now I can say it was depression. I really don't know what I was. I didn't know what I was dealing with at that time. I just knew that I was sad. I knew that I had this baby and I had to get myself together. Um, And it was hard for me. It was really hard. I remember just crying every night and just holding on to her and just knowing that, okay, I have to do better for her. And that helped to pull me, to pull myself out of it. Um, In hindsight, I probably was definitely dealing with some postpartum depression, but did not have the words to articulate it. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, I didn't do anything like nothing, but just kind of love on this baby and hope and and pray that the love that she was giving me was enough to pull me out of it and that's really kind of my journey into into motherhood like I always say that you know God gives you the kid the child that you need and he knew I needed her at that moment to be able to help me get to the next level 
Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And I think what you said is so true. Like I was thinking the same thing, you know, like God knows what we need when we need it. Right. And that's all I like, even when I look at my son today, I'm like, oh, God, God just knew I needed you because I was not thinking about, was not excited about having a child like at all in that phase of my life. But he has helped me grow in so many ways and they help us grow in so many ways. Um, but we just want to normalize, right? According to like their survey, there's research out there. There's one in eight women experience postpartum depression after having a baby, right? You mentioned postpartum and yeah. it's such a word. And it's, I just feel like us holding this space for each other and for others yeah. Yeah. helps us to normalize that it's not always glitz and glamour. It's not always happy moments. It's hard. It Bring is a child into this world, raising a child. It is so hard. It's a lot. We can, we can do the hard things, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. And I think that, you know, even with social media, because when I had my child then, social media wasn't even, it was, maybe it was a thing, but it wasn't as big as it is now. Right. And I think that now even more so seeing, you know, the happy pregnancies and all the photos and the gender reveals and all of those things, I think it adds an added layer of pressure as people are, you know, either trying to conceive who have, you know, um, who have miscarried on their journey to conceiving, who have children who maybe didn't wanna have kids. Like there is so much space for all of it in motherhood. And I don't think we talk about it enough. And I think a lot of that is what leads to, you know, the postpartum depression because we feel like I have to live up to this expectation. Even mm -hmm. like after, like my child is 14. And sometimes I have that, I have to remind myself like, you don't have to live up to someone else's expectation. Like, this is your thing. You're figuring it out. Y'all are in this together. It doesn't have to look like anything, you know, in particular, but it can be difficult and it can be hard when you're trying to navigate that. I know for myself, you know, as a, as a single mom, it was difficult navigating that as a single mom, like trying to figure out like, okay, it's on me. I got to make sure I have this together for us, for you. Like, I want you to have all of these things. And I'm sure I dropped the ball at some point, but it's hard. It's not easy. Absolutely. Not at all. Um, let's talk about some of the signs and symptoms of depression or anxiety around pregnancy. Like, What does that look like? We have extreme sadness or anger without warning, right? So that mood is just all over the place. It's not like your normal self at all. At all. And, you know, if you feel that when you're... Um, you know, pregnant, one, your hormones are all over the place. But even after you give birth, I don't think that people even give enough um, credence to the fact that your hormones are still all over the place. And yeah. sometimes I don't know if they ever really go back to how they um, were before, because I feel like your home, your hormones are just kind of out of whack after you literally birth a whole person. Like that concept, when I sit and think about it, sometimes it's heavy. Like we literally create people like we create people and the heaviness of that can be a lot it can it can definitely be a lot um you can feel foggy or have trouble completing tasks um mm. when you're dealing with postpartum depression or anxiety um or feeling like you're robotic and you're just going through the you know going through emotions those that can be um extremely overwhelming as well 
Absolutely. You talk about like just being a robot. Like I remember it's like, oh, I have a system in place. Bam, baby down, bam, oh. do, this, do that. And it's like, no, like give yourself some space to sit, mm-hmm. to rest. It is okay. Like you don't have to put on this, this perfection, like this, this role, like everything doesn't have to be in order and in place. And it's okay to sit. You don't have to be a robot. You don't have to go in this structure or this order. Um, it's okay to sit down and rest as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't do that enough as moms. So that's, that's key. Yes. Feeling anxious around the baby um, and other children, right? Um, whether it's just like, I know even, even now as with my son and like those different stages of life, right? Like baby was cool. I had baby. Baby just need to be fed with a bottle and diaper change. Girl, what you saying? Yes. Good toddler got it you got you have to be entertained like I have to keep up with you like my energy has to be on point so I can pay attention to everything you have going on because now there's some safety hazards involved right and the older he gets it would it would literally make me anxious like oh I need to be on point today like I need to make sure I'm good so that I can pay attention to you and so that anxiety used to build up for me and I had to learn like just be okay with him as a child He's going to grow. He's going to move around. That's actually what you want him to do. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to just to sit and let him, like they really control the narrative sometimes. Most like, of the time. control it. Yes. <laughs> world, baby, we are just living in it. Hey. So, Most of the time they do. Yeah. Yeah. And it brings you back. Like, I'm like, okay, girl, like pump the brakes. You do not have to be anxious or overwhelmed. Like this is his life. Like let him grow and explore life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah we we try to make everything just so perfect around them and it's just it's not the case like you if you try to be the perfect mom or you know have the perfect environment it's just not gonna work sis like it just does not work and that's what stresses us out feeling like we have to be perfect and we just can't we can't achieve perfection in motherhood um which leads me to our next point of feeling guilt or like a failure at motherhood. And I will be the first to raise my hand that, you know, there have been moments and I would say I've gotten better, but there've been moments where I'm like, man, I'm not doing a good job. Like I am failing. I'm not doing right by her, you know, feeling like I should be doing more. And that feeling of feeling like I have to do more, that mom guilt, I felt for the longest time, I felt so bad, like, you know, she doesn't have a dad in the house. And I'm, I used to beat myself up for that. Like, man, I wish, you know, I want her to have somebody who's here. She's going to grow up and, you know, be so resentful. You know, her dad is, is there, but he's not in the house. And that bothered me. And I felt like it pushed me into this realm of trying to like overcompensate. Like I was trying to be mom and I was trying to be dad and I was doing all of these things because I was going to make sure that my baby didn't want nothing and everything was going to be right. And that I had to say, you know what, you can't be both. You can only fulfill your role as her mom and you have to allow, you know, allow her to grow and to feel through that as she's going to. There's, there's, you can do your role and that's all you can do. But that guilt was so serious and it was something that I was putting on myself. Um, and I felt so, so guilty. Now that she's gotten older, you know, I remember asking her, this is not even too long ago. <laughs> I asked her, I said, um, do you think I'm a good mom? 
because I just wanted to hear her response and she was like why did you why are you asking me that I was like, what well, do you think I'm a good mom? Like, do you think I do enough for you? And she was like, you literally do everything for me. She was wow. like, of course you're a good mom. She's like, why would you ask me that? And I was just like, okay, thank you. <laughs> but it just, it warmed my heart because for so long, I felt like, girl, you, you messing up. Like you're, I was being a single mom and it being on you I was always like in that grind mode like working and hustling and making sure that I'm building this life for her and I don't feel like I was always necessarily there all the time because I was trying to do all these other things and the Mm -hmm. fact that she was able to kind of affirm and say I don't feel like you I'm not feeling what you was feeling (laughs) (laughs) so that that was affirming to me for sure that's good I know feeling guilty for me plays uh you know comes into play where you think about being a therapist right mm-hmm. and we're out here trying to break certain generational unhealthy patterns yeah and I'm always like oh like I can't fail him like I'm gonna mess him up and I'm like no you're not like he needs to feel loved he needs to feel supported and he needs he needs those emotional connections and that support which we, we like you said it's self-induced we put all this energy and pressure on ourselves to provide this lifestyle or whatever it is we want that lifestyle to be like but they just want to feel loved and nurtured and supported by us and that's enough for them that's it all the other stuff is extra yeah <laughs> and I had to remind myself like girl you putting it on yourself okay like pump the brakes just love him just play with him I had to learn how to play all the boy things and <laughs> video games and the superheroes but it's like you just have to learn how to adapt and adjust and give him what he really needs you just said something a word that is so critical in motherhood learn to adapt because the plan that we have in our heads these kids will humble you real quick <laughs> like they will humble you real quick like that's just not always the plan that they have and I think that that's something that is so serious. Like you have to be be able to adapt. Yes. And that helps ease some of that pressure off of yourself too. Yes. So just, you know, we want to be mindful of that. Feeling unusually irritable or angry. Again, like if we notice that our mood is just off. Um, I used to do like with the anxiety came the irritability. Like that's how I knew I was anxious, right? And I'm just irritable at nobody and really irritable with myself. And yeah. so- you know, making sure that I channel that back to me and handle what I need to handle instead of taking that out on other people or my son or whoever, mm-hmm. um, and really dealing with what's going on inside of me. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of projection happens during that time. Like we project a lot of things. I'm like, it's usually not even about them. It's right. just <laughs> the situation. We we have to check ourselves um, and really check in with ourselves to make sure that we're okay. And we're not projecting those things because when you hear about postpartum, sometimes some of these things lead to, you know, situations that can be harmful to yourself or to the child. So really being mindful of when those situations arise um, and either trying to remove yourself or or figure out, get some help um, in there so you don't have to carry that burden by yourself. Um, One of the other signs of depression or anxiety around you know, motherhood and pregnancy and raising kids is having little interest in things you used to enjoy. You Mm. know, when you first become a mom, it can be overwhelming, not for everyone, but for some, it can be overwhelming because you're trying to kind of merge the lifestyle of, especially when it's your first child, 
you know, this lifestyle of freedom and doing things as I want. And then now I have to care for this child. It can be a, a lot. And you really kind of mourn. When we think of mourning, we always think of someone dying, but you mourn the loss. You kind of grieve the things that you used to do, especially when you have kids kind of young and it's not necessarily planned. Um, you, you kind of grieve those things. Like you grieve your freedom. Like you talked about earlier, you grieve the, not, you know, the friendships that kind of have not kind of a distance because now maybe sometimes some of your friends have kids, some of them don't. Um, and so just being sure to take, um, take notice when you're really losing interest in the things you used to enjoy, because that is for sure a sign that depression may be creeping in. Um, and we want to make sure that you pay attention to those things. Um, all of these signs can show up at any time during motherhood, Absolutely. at any time they can come up. And the most important thing is staying in tune with your body and staying in tune when things feel off and giving yourself grace. Motherhood requires a lot of grace and mm -hmm. compassion. And so we have to really be patient with ourselves. Um, again, when it's your first time, my favorite phrase to my daughter is, listen, this is my first time parenting a 14 year old. This is your first time being 14. Okay. So we are gonna figure this thing out together because obviously we both don't have the answers. We're figuring it out. So give yourself the grace and the freedom to figure it out and not feel like you have to have all of the answers. I love that. And then knowing when to reach out, knowing when yes. to that support and what that support looks like. Uh, I started therapy when I was pregnant with my son, actually, because like you said, I was grieving me. Like, who am I about to be in this next phase of my life, right? Um, and that therapy helped me transition into motherhood and into, you know, even marriage and uh, relationships and just even now, you know, with all the different roles that we play, yeah. that therapy has really come into play for me at those points in my life where I just needed a safe space to talk and process and sort through what I was feeling and what was on my mind and how to make that experience the best experience for me. Absolutely. I think therapy plays such a major role. Um, it's not something that I, I, I sought after um yeah. when I was when I was younger again I, I giving yourself that grace because mm -hmm. although at that time I was you know in undergrad you know studying for this field I therapists are not exempt and so I wasn't necessarily a therapist at that time I was studying all of these things I didn't I didn't therapy did not cross my mind Mm -hmm. It was not something that I had talked about. It was not something that anybody had really talked about. So I did not, you know, in hindsight, I wish that I would have, because I think it would have helped me process a lot of those feelings and deal with a lot of those things. So kudos to you for realizing that you needed to talk to somebody to figure that out. That's huge. I did. And I think, you know, support, right? Support in general, even if it's family or friends. And like, I just didn't really feel like I had that support I was looking for. I, yeah. was like, I need somebody because I can't keep all this stuff inside of me. <laughs> right. And I know I'm supposed to be excited, but I'm not. So like, what's really going on? So it was very helpful. You just said something else that's so important. I'm supposed to be excited. And right. I think that a lot of people when they're pregnant, the thought is, I'm supposed, I'm supposed to be excited. So something is wrong with me if I'm not excited. And I want to challenge that for a, a lot of people because sometimes it doesn't come right away. Right. Like excitement and that joy does not always come right away. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you're not going to be a good mom. 
you just aren't excited and just allowing it to be what it is without judging yourself for having that feeling. I think that is so critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just changing that narrative, right? Like I had to normalize that it was okay to feel what I was feeling and how to process and how to work through that. So definitely something that people think all the time, like you said, like we don't know, you're not always excited. You know, there's a lot of grieving and a lot of different things that come into play with this new role, with this new responsibility. So just, we want you to know that you're not alone, right? You are not by yourself. You are not out on an island and it can feel like that. You know, sometimes it can feel like that, especially in the different stages of motherhood. Um, If we, you know, talk about the pandemic of, listen, virtual school, Yes. Was one of <laughs> it it oh, I don't even have the words for it because it stressed me out yeah like it stressed me out we were both at home I'm working she's doing school it was a lot and I don't think that we were mentally prepared for that um emotionally prepared for it it was just a lot and I know a lot of moms felt like the feelings of fatigue and worry and their loss of self because everything was intertwined. Mm-hmm. I always say, you know, don't, y'all don't take this the wrong way, but I'm like, I go, I go to work <laughs> and you go to your other parents, which are your teachers. <laughs> so, like separating that for me was key because I could go to work. I'm, I'm driving to work. This is my time by myself. This is her time with her friends and all of that. And then we come back together. Yes. The pandemic put all of that together. Um, and I know there was there's been studies that says, you know, 75% of mothers say they felt mentally worse during the pan than when the pandemic began. Yeah. Like, mentally worse. I had so many people start therapy during the pandemic who were moms who were just like, this is a lot. I don't know what's going on, but something. And it's 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 a lot. And I need help. <laughs> Absolutely. I saw a lot of clients around that time as well virtual school was like one of the number one stresses for people absolutely homeschool working at home being here 24 7 having no break right there was no disconnect there with that space like everything was happening under that one roof and it was going down it was going people did not know what to do to cope for sure because it was just something we had never really faced Mm -hmm. and so now we're facing it we're stuck in this house together um, we had to figure it out. And I really felt for moms who had like little ones. Yes. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how y'all was out here doing it. Like, yes. <laughs> that's a lot. Like my daughter being a teenager, she was kind of self-sufficient and was able to kind of navigate it a little bit. But, you know, moms who had little kids, that, that's, that was, I know it was stressful. I was stressed out for y'all watching on social media. So, okay. <laughs> I got lucky. My son's school, he was in pre-K and they never closed. Oh, so I said, I'm just going to ride it. I'm going to trust it. Because, you know, a lot of people weren't really trusting. Yeah. Girl, I'm like, look, God got us. Um, you going to school because I need to go to work. And it just worked out. Yeah. They never closed. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed, lucky, blessed that I didn't have to go through that. Yeah. Um, but it was something. It was something for everybody. It was a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that it really challenged our mental health. It challenged the way that we parented. It it challenged us to be more intentional with our parenting because Mm -hmm. the old ways of doing things just were not 
were not it. And it, it really challenged us to connect differently with our child and with ourselves too, because as, as in motherhood, you know, so often a lot of things are focused around the child, but it was so important to say, hey, if I'm not okay, this child's not going to be okay. So I need to build in some time for myself, whether I need to go sit in the tub and, and be in the bathroom by myself, whatever it needs to be, I have to build in some time um, for myself. So I want to jump into us to really just talk about some, you know, some tips and some ways for moms to manage their mental health in motherhood, because regardless of a pandemic, there's always things that are happening and right. being able to manage your mental health is super important and critical to your overall well-being, but your functioning of your household too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned a lot um, earlier about just making, like making time for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And that we, we have to get creative with what that looks like. I say that to moms in session and people are looking at me like, okay, when and where? Like, mm-hmm. I'll make time for myself. We have to get creative with what that looks like. It could be, like you said, it could be a bath, you know, without interruption, going in, setting the, the mood, closing the door, whatever you need to do. It could be going out if you need to get out the house, a coffee run, um, you know, a walk, whatever it is that you feel like you need to do to get out the house and disconnect, but communicating when you need that help, maybe somebody can watch your kids or if you have a spouse or family or whoever, even if you had, I had to hire um, a sitter, mm-hmm. like learning to trust somebody enough to have a sitter so that I can get out and still have some wellness and some balance in my life. So getting creative with what that looks like. Yes. And I think it's really critical to lean on help. Mm -hmm. The fact that you said you had to hire a sitter, you can't do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think the sooner that moms that we walk in that and we know that, that you need help. Like, it's not going to just be on you. I will never forget when my daughter first started gymnastics, I did not know how I was going to get her to gymnastics. She was doing competitive gymnastics and it's, it was started at three o'clock. Um, so when they got out of school at two 30, I think they had to be there at three. Um, but I was at work. And so I was really stressing out. Like, I mean, y'all literally stressing out, like in tears. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I really want her to do this. I'm trying to figure out how I can, you know, leave work for a little bit and come back. It just didn't, it wasn't making sense. And then finally I said, you know what, I'm gonna hire somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire somebody to help me. And I went on care.com. I went through, you know, vetting and going through all of these, you know, interviews. And it was nerve wracking because, you know, it's your child and you want to make sure they're okay. And um, it was difficult. I went through a couple of people. It was fine. And, but then I remember a friend of mine, I had put on the girl quit or she got into a car accident, something happened and she wasn't able to do it anymore. So then I went back in distress mode and I remember I said, you know what? I'm gonna put it on Facebook and see who responds, who reaches out. And I put it on there and a friend of mine um, reached out, shout out to Kyla. Um, She reached out and she stepped in and helped me during that time. But had I not, you know, been like, Javon, you know what, swallow your pride, whatever it is that you need, and ask for what, ask for what it is you need, I would have never gotten it, and I would have been stressed out for no reason. Right, so many times we are just being the strong woman, right, got the mm-hmm. superwoman cape on, and we think we can do everything on our own, or it's not going to be how we want it to be, but we have to release that control, right. we have to change that narrative, we have to be able to, like, asking for help is, is a strength, right, we need to be able to ask for help. So 
getting creative, right? You got on Facebook, like I had to go reach out, like you have to do what you have to do, but I needed my me time. Like I needed time and I needed to be able to, like you said, you may have other things that you have to do too. And I can't be in all the places at one time. So being realistic with yourself and asking for help when you need to. Because if you don't ask, it's just not going to get done. Mm -hmm. Um, Another important Another important thing to focus on is focusing on your parenting, your parenting skills. So often as moms, we feel like we question ourselves. That's the mom guilt and the shame that we put onto ourselves. You know, am I doing this the right way? Is, you know, am I messing my kid up? I think you said that earlier. Am I messing my kid up? Um, You know, is there, but is there really a right or wrong way? Now, granted, there's the extreme of, yes, there are wrong ways. Yes. Right. (laughs) There are wrong ways, but when we're just generally speaking, you know, you do what's best for your child and what works for you and not necessarily focusing on it just being one correct way. You know, it doesn't have to, everything's not black and white. Just because Mm -hmm. you decide to do it one way doesn't mean that it's wrong or if somebody else decides to do it, you know, for the longest time when my child was little, People were having a conversation about like tablets, not letting their kids watch too much TV or be on the tablet. Well, I was in school, so I needed her to like maintain herself for a minute while I was figuring this out. And that works for me. It worked for me. And I think that we have to give ourselves the grace to say, you know what, if it works, it works. And not judge ourselves against somebody else's um, standards of what, you know, a good mom is. I love that. I love that you said that because I think what we're talking about, you know, it's just really like learning to trust you, right? Learning to trust your guidance, your intuition, and learning to trust your child. Like you have that bond with your child more than anybody else. What works for y'all works for you. You do not have to, you know, sometimes elders and just other people and all of these opinions, like cut, block out the noise, Mm -hmm. block out the noise and do what works best for you and your child and your household and your children, if you have more than one, but do what works for y'all. Absolutely. I think that that's a really um, big, uh, big point, but something I wanted to add on, I just thought about this as we're talking about parenting and doing what works best for you, co-parenting. Yes, because I have been in the space of, you know, co-parenting and I'll be transparent. It hasn't always been not perfect, but it hasn't always been good. (laughs) It hasn't always been good. You know, we're working on it. And um, I think that you have to be flexible and understand that that's going to be a journey as well. When you're trying to co-parent with somebody else, you're not in the same household, you're trying to merge parenting styles. I think the best part of it is the best thing for your mental health is to communicate. Oh, yes. Be open and communicate what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what it is that you need, because you can't assume that the other person is going to know. And I think that's where a lot of the breakdown happens in co-parenting. Absolutely. You know, even like you said, co-parenting, whether that's in the house Mm -hmm. or not in the house, like we still need to be able to communicate and understand like this is what we want to do as far as parenting our child. And this is why this is important because we may not always agree, but the end goal is the well-being of our child. And we want to be able to keep that in mind, right? It's not always about us. It's about what's best for that child. Absolutely. Coming back to what's best for the child, 
Absolutely. Like, I may not like it and I may not always agree with it. There are times where I didn't always agree with some of the things her dad wanted to do. Um, but it's like, you know what? Am I making this more about me or is it supposed to, supposed to be about her? And right? I, when you come back to that question, like, am I making this about me? Is this, a, is this about our relationship? This right. causing an issue with this, or is this about is this about the child? And when you ask yourself those questions, I think that it helps you to navigate it a little bit differently. Um, honestly, it did take some time and some maturity for me to grow into being able to co-parent. Um, I think early on there were just a lot of we both were just immature. We yeah. both weren't at a place of being openly, you know, communicating. We were hurt. We were just all these things. And finally got to the point where it was like, listen, none of that other stuff matters. Like I need for her to be secure. I need for her to feel loved and supported. And that is when it got to the point where I was like, you know what, in order for us to do that, we got to be on, we don't have to always be on the same page. We need to be in the same book. Absolutely. <laughs> And we need to figure this thing out um, together. That's good. I love that. I love that. So that open communication is key, right? Making sure that it is all, it's about the child. It's not about mm-hmm. us and our feelings. And like you said, that relationship that we, we had with each other, like we have to learn how to move past that now. No, yes. take out for growth. Girl, growth. I'm telling you, it's some, whew. yeah, yes. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier and something else that is really important is you mentioned trusting your child. And that is so critical because so often, like I, we, we say things like, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't do it that way. And I was like this. And we have to remind ourselves that our child is not us. Absolutely. We, we can't, we can't wish ourselves or the mistakes that we're trying to make up for the dreams that we didn't fulfill. We can't project that onto our child. And we do that really often um, in, in parenting. And I think that adds to a lot of turmoil um, internally and then just com- conflict between yourself and your child. You know, as we grow in different stages, I'm in the teenage stage. And so she has a mind of her own. And I, I mean, they all do it all ages, but yeah. like able to fully articulate what that is. Like she, and I have to remind myself, she is her own person. Yes. I am here to help navigate with her, to help her process, but she is her own person. Yes. And that is not always easy for me to, uh, to deal with because I want to control certain aspects. And I have to remember that, you know what? She doesn't, she does not belong to me. Like I'm experiencing her and I'm here to help guide her, but I don't own her. And she is going to do what she's going, she's going to live her life. She is going to live her life. And I know I talked about gymnastics earlier, but my daughter was like a risk. She was a really good competitive gymnast really really good and I loved it because I wanted to be a gymnast and I loved it she was killing it early and then one day she decided I don't want to do it no more Mm -hmm. I was like you don't want to do it no more what you mean we want to do this like what do you mean and she was like I don't want to and she was adamant, you know, I, we, we kind of waited through it for a year, like, you know, finish out the season, let's see where you're at. And she was like, I don't want to do it anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I struggled because I was like, I don't want her to quit. I don't want her to do this. And she challenged me. 
because she said, well, didn't you tell me that, you know, at any moment I can change my mind? Mm. Like, yeah, I did tell you that. I did. And I think it's important. Like, I didn't want her to regret it, but I had to rest in the fact that we all have regrets. And so if she regrets it, that's going to be something that she's going to have to live with. Not necessarily something I'm trying to prevent her from. Mm-hmm. That was that was a wake up call for me um, as she was growing. Yeah, I think a lot of times we do like the helicopter parent, right? Like we want to hover over and make sure every little piece is in place for our kids. And we have to remember that as they grow, like they have their own voice, right? And it's like, I, I want to teach you to use your voice, but then I, I, that means I can't shut it down either. Like, I have to let you be a person. Yeah, yeah. I have to let you speak. I have to let you, you know, one of my things, like when kids tell you like, well, I don't like that or I don't want that. And they could be five or six, like Eli is six. And it's like, okay, he knows he doesn't want it. Like, let's find some other options. You can't make people like and do certain things. Like, that's right. not how it works. Right. Let's go of the control, that power struggle sometimes with our kids, right? That's not how this works. Like, I want to gain your trust. I want you to feel safe and secure with me as your parent and with, you know, or parents. And we can't do that if we're always shutting you down, Mm -hmm. right? We're not letting you grow and blossom into who you're meant to be. You're going to shut down. And so I'm always just trying to be mindful of that. Like, I want you to feel safe and secure and open enough to share with me whatever it is you need to share with me on this life journey so that I can help guide you and help you navigate life but I can't do it for you at all and when we release that um you know that of I'm trying to do this for you we're able to really blossom in that you know we want to create secure attachments Mm -hmm. really it's what you described that secure attachment is the loving it's the feeling supported it's being able to offer ourselves in relationships in a way to where I'm not waiting for you to give me my voice. I'm yeah. not dependent on dependent on you. I love you and I'm great with you, but I'm actually okay without you too. And we want that for our kids. We want that. And when we see it in action sometimes, it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> like what's, what's happening? But to protect our, you know, our mental health and our overall well-being, we have to sometimes let go mm-hmm. and realize that, you know what? They're gonna make mistakes they're going to make mistakes. And I think that's the phase that I'm in right now in my parenting of realizing that I can't, you know, make every decision for her. I can't control the outcome of what things look like. I can only give her the tools and hope that she does what she needs with it, but I can't protect her from mistakes. She's going to make them. Heck, I make mistakes. (laughs) And so if I'm always trying to protect her from mistakes, like I'm setting her up for failure in the long run, because then she's going to always look for me to, you know, to remedy things. And I'm not always going to be around. So. Absolutely. And that creates some, you know, some enabling and all of those kinds of things. So just remembering that they are their own people. Mm -hmm. They really are. I mean, (laughs) you know, a lot of things in motherhood, we, we induce on ourselves. You know, we, we, but then also the other part of it, I think that's important to remember is that we bring into adulthood, into motherhood, whether it's the, the traumas or the, you know, the the things that we've learned and internalized from childhood. Oh yeah. So until we take the time to really kind of unlearn some of those things, it's going to show up in our parenting 
And so we have to be really intentional with unlearning some of those behaviors and those actions that we learned. And a lot of times our parents did the best that they could. It doesn't make them a bad parent. It's just that some of those things may not work for you as you're parenting your child. And we have to be very intentional with unlearning. That's why therapy is so important because we have to figure, figure out what that looks like. Um, on the alternative side of that is, you know, sometimes when we become moms, and we didn't have a mom to mother us. Now we're fearful and we have like almost that fearful attachment to our child. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I can't, you know, separate myself from you because I'm fearful of something. And we're, we start projecting um, all of that onto them. So just be mindful of the things that we bring into motherhood from our childhood too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am loving this episode. Me too. Me too. This was a conversation that I feel like we need to have just to normalize this safe space for moms and for, um, you know, us to normalize the fact that it's not always good. It's not always easy. It's difficult. There are challenges. How can we normalize the space that we're in? How do we hold space for ourselves while we hold so much space for other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, this was a conversation we needed to have, and I'm so happy that we had it. Um, Probably need to have an ongoing conversation, but I'm so happy we had it. And I cannot wait for you all to join us next week. We have another amazing topic. It's wellness is a journey. Tips for navigating your healing journey when things don't change overnight. Um, Because healing (laughs) is definitely a journey. So I cannot wait to vibe with you all next week. Yes, thank you for tuning in. Please remember to like, subscribe, review. We love feedback and we are so happy to just be on this journey with you all on this vibe that we call wellness. Yes, until next time, talk to you all later. This has been another episode of A Vibe Called Wellness where therapy, vibes, and wellness collide. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. We can't wait to vibe with you next week.